0: You're listening to episode 384 of the GNU World Order. My name is Klaatu, and in this episode we are going to continue our walk through all of the packages installed by default on Slackware Linux. Right now we're in the AP software set, so these are general applications. And we're going to start with Soma, S-O-M-A. But before we start, dear listener, I would like to do a public service announcement. A couple of episodes ago now, geez, months ago now, I spoke about what's happening in 2020, which is the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic. It is a disease that is literally ravaging the entire planet or that is ravaging, literally, the entire planet. And it's very, very serious, and very dangerous. I am very lucky to live in New Zealand. And the response here in New Zealand has been second to none, almost literally. I think Singapore and New Zealand are two of the countries that have had one of the most effective responses. When COVID-19 touched down on New Zealand, my immediate thought was, well, we're all going to get it. We're, we're a small community, relatively speaking, and we're on an island, so it's not like you can sort of get away from it. It's going to spread quickly. People here are very mobile. People live on the South Island and fly to work on the North Island, not in droves, but there is a lot of traveling. People people don't stay put here in New Zealand. They they go around, they, they get around a lot. It's It's relatively close quarters, not severely, not oppressively, but it is a small island. People tend to pile up on top of each other more or less, so I figured this was going to be bad. But the response by the New Zealand government was to hand over control, as it were, to the scientists, to people who studied epidemiology, microbiology, and that sort of thing. And what the scientists advised is what everyone did. And to be clear, it has been difficult. It was... it it meant a total true lockdown. And by total and true lockdown, I mean there were literally no people outside of their homes for a full... 60 or 70 days. I'm using the word literally a little bit liberally here because it wasn't literal. There were emergency response teams that were available in case of, I don't know, fire or, or, I don't know, a heart attack, that that sort of thing. There were people in pharmacies so that people could get medicines that they relied upon to to survive. Things like that. But there were no restaurants open. There were no Cafes or bars or uh, big box stores or anything like that. Everything was shut down for a, a full 70 days-ish. Might not have been 70 days for a full shutdown. Um, but it was... Because it, it, we, we did it by degrees. And it worked. It, it worked. It got rid of COVID-19. Today we don't have COVID-19 in New Zealand. We do everything as as normal. N- nearly. We, we track our movement and things like that just in case there is a flare-up of COVID somewhere which happens from time to time some you know one or two people will get it uh, because someone will be returning from a different country they'll come in they are quarantined for 14 days they're they're tested they come back negative, they go out into the wild. Oh, turns out they were positive the test was wrong, and so on. So it happens. It can happen. But functionally, we are COVID-19 free, and that's a huge, huge deal. It's very liberating, it's very refreshing, and I don't take it for granted, not for a minute. Literally every time I go outside, which admittedly isn't isn't that often, but when I do, I think about that. I think about the uniqueness of my ability to step outside my house and walk down to the cafe, the Prospector Cafe, and grab a cup of coffee. Like, that's a... that's... I know that that's unusual to be able to do that without a mask, without thinking about, am I going to catch a a disease that could kill me, or that I could pass on to someone in a probably more vulnerable position and then kill them. Now, I'm saying all of this, dear listener, because there are places in the world, including my original home, the place where I'm from, the U.S. that are not dealing with this virus effectively. And I've been told that I shouldn't worry about that because I'm not there. I'm not in the U.S., so why bother worrying about the state of the U.S.? And I get that. There's a lot of truth to that. There's nothing I can do about the U.S directly. I'm not there. I can't affect change in any real sense. But as you can imagine, having come from the U.S., I have a lot of family in the U.S. And this past week, my partner has had a family member very close to her contract COVID-19. And this family member, tragically, has been sent to hospital and is, as I record this, in the intensive care unit fighting for her life, in a, in a very real sense. If she survives, her lungs are probably not going to work anymore. They're probably not going to at least work fully. She will be on an oxygen tank probably for the rest of her life. She's an elderly woman, and and this probably isn't going to leave her unscarred, both physically and mentally, because the, the trauma of the degrees of recovery uh, and 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 the things that they've had to do in the hospital to ensure that she does not die have been all but horrific. And so I'm saying this to you dear listener that COVID-19 is a serious serious disease, especially for people in vulnerable positions such as the elderly or people with 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 respiratory Uh, who are prone to respiratory problems, people with with low immune systems, and and that sort of thing. And so I'm urging you, dear listener, if you ever are sitting around thinking, why am I sitting at home all day? I, I can look out my window and see other people walking around. Some of them don't even have masks on. Why am I doing this? Am I the crazy one? I promise you, dear listener, you are not the crazy one. You are the noble one. You are doing work. You are doing something good and positive for your community. You are listening to science. You're listening to good system design on how to mitigate risk. And because you are doing that, you are saving someone's life. I guarantee you this. I promise you this. You are saving someone's life. I don't know whose life it is, but whoever it is is loved by someone, they're important, and they're valuable, just like you and me and everyone else on this planet. So protect them. Protect each other. We know that there are vaccines. They are on the way. They're being distributed. Hang in there for a little bit longer. Do not doubt your resolve. Stay inside. Stay safe. Protect your community. You're doing the right thing, and I thank you for it. Okay, let's talk about software. That's more cheerful. We're gonna start with Soma, which as far as I know is a Slackware exclusive, and I could be wrong about that. But there is a... let's see, packages, Soma... It looks like it's attributed to, um, uh, I thought I saw someone's name. Yeah, uh, David Woodfall, who I know, that's a name I know from slackbuilds.org. So I kind of get the sense that maybe this is something that got adopted by Slackware because maybe Patrick Voltreading was using it. And I say that because Patrick Voltreading is credited in the script itself for a make-temp patch. So... I could imagine possibly David Woodfall developing this little front end, Patrick Volkruting finding it on Linux questions or something, and then adopting it for Slackware. I don't know, I'm making this story up, but point is, name's is familiar, Patrick Volkreading patched it, seems like it might be a Slackware exclusive. What is it? Soma is a front end kind of written around M player, for something called Soma FM. When I opened up Soma and kind of started poking around, I, I Kind of felt like maybe Soma FM was something I'd heard of before, but I couldn't couldn't quite guarantee it. But it does sound vaguely familiar. So anyway, Soma FM is let's say a well, according to the website, it is a commercial-free, listener-supported internet radio network. I guess is the best way to describe it because the it, it, it wouldn't be a station because there are lots of smaller stations within the Soma FM. Network. Now, some people have a really strong connection to pop music and and stuff that plays on the radio. I've never I've never really exactly been that person. I I like the idea of radio, and I've definitely heard some. I, I've I've found radio shows that I really enjoy, and they've they've often stood out as sort of an exception for me rather than the rule. And I know some people listen to the radio all the time. I'm just not one of those people. I prefer to sort of manage my own music collection and manage what I hear when and so on. But I know there are people out there who really, really just love the sense of discovery and community around sort of being played music from someone who really lives this stuff. You know, a DJ who just knows about all the bands, whether they're all the most popular ones or all the most obscure ones, or better yet, both of them, and so on. I'm saying this because I'm just giving you I'm trying to give you some some expectation about sort of how much I care about radio, which ultimately isn't a whole lot. Th- this isn't my... this isn't where I, I excel. This is not something that I'm super familiar with. But that said, Soma FM kind of seems really, really great. And I'm really happy to have found this Soma front end because there are some really great stations on here. So when you launch Soma, and and Soma is really really fascinating first of all, so if we do a head on user bin Soma, we see that this is a shell this is a shell script and you'd almost you'd almost not believe it to when, when you look at it. It is really 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 interactive and feels very much like an application. I mean, it all happens in a terminal, it's a curses interface, that sort of thing, but it's just, it's mind-boggling to think that this is a, it's just a bash script. Really, really cool. Um, this is the kind of bash script that that, that kinda of makes me have faith in, in open source's ability to put into a normal person's hand the ability to program stuff, to make applications, useful applications that they want to use often, and can use, and other people can use. I mean this is what I'm always talking about. Like this is the stuff that we need. We we want this to thrive. We want people to be able to sit down and program applications that are useful to them. And I mean I'm sure David Woodfall is very very smart. He he maintains very uh, he he maintains a lot of slack builds. I I have no doubt that this guy didn't just sort of sit down and and, and learn how to do a bash script do, by doing soma, that that's probably not how this came about. but it's just it is an impressive thing, and to know that it's all just done with with bash scripting, that is very exciting to me. Okay, so when you launch Soma, you get sort of um, it, it it takes it takes um, a reading, shall we say, of of what sound devices are hooked up to your computer. That'll be important because that's going to be your your output choices. And you may as well, from what I have learned by by messing around with it is you may as well go down to the fourth option which is output fourth fifth actually fifth option which is output, choose sound device, press return, and then set it to whatever output device you want. And in this case, I'm just gonna set it to ALSA default for now. But generally speaking, yeah, it'll see everything that play sees. If you don't set the output initially, I discovered that it doesn't necessarily play the music when you select the station. Either that, or I didn't hear the music, and so I assumed it wasn't playing, which is just as likely as the other as the other possibility. But output is important, obviously, because if you want to hear this, you need to know where you're sending the sound. Okay, so after that, you can look at the stations. You can browse through the different stations. There are about, I don't know, let's just say there are 50 here. Actually, I could find out exactly how many, because the stations are, are uh, listed in stations.conf, which is in slash etsy slash soma, and slash stations.com. So if I do a wc -l on that it says 66. I don't know if there's any um, header information there that No, that looks like it's all just stations. And that's important to know because these are these are stations that are, you know, they're they're essentially hard coded and that means that if you go to somafm.com right now today, you'll find stations that are not listed in this slash etsy slash soma slash stations dot com. So if you want more stations, go visit the site, find something that you like, and put their streaming address here into this c- configuration file, then you'll be able to to listen to it through Soma. So that's a little tip. Um, once you choose your station, once you find one that you like. Some of them have names that are m- more obvious than others. Then eventually you'll start hearing the music play uh, over your computer, and that's pretty cool. So that's um, that'll just start playing. You can kind of check in on it when you go to sta- by going to status. Status playing now, and it tells you what radio station you're on. You can also bring up Alsa Mixer, which uh, I don't think that's how I would do it myself, but you could do that, uh, and I, I imagine it would be quite useful if you weren't running a desktop with um, anything better than Alsa Mixer for your controls. There's also a scheduler and um, a track list that you can save, and then a quit option, which obviously exits the application. So it is a, admittedly, a pretty simple application. It it isn't it, it isn't the the most sort of flexible, robust multimedia application you're ever going to come across. It is it is pretty basic. But because of the the vast selection that Soma FM has, the the great variety that it offers, I can imagine this being practically all the music application you needed if you're one of those people who really enjoys the radio. Like I say, some people have more of a spiritual connection, as it were, with the radio than other people. Um, But even me, I mean, I didn't grow up with radio, It's, it's not something that I go back to myself often, but even I sometimes want a little background music for something. I mean, I often want background music, but I often want background music that I choose. But sometimes it's just kind of nice to put on something that I don't have to think about, don't have to invest in too much uh, thought-wise, and and just have it playing in the background as I do something else. And Soma FM is doing the trick. It's really great. It's been a really, really pleasant discovery. And I'm not entirely sure if I'm more excited about Soma FM or Soma, but Soma was the gateway for Soma FM, so they really are not too separate from one another in terms of, of the excitement of having discovered this. I have no reason to believe that the track selection on Soma FM is any in any way tied to Creative Commons or any kind of open source licensing or, or free culture licensing. So be aware of that. I don't know that that matters to you. I, I'm just I'm just saying that so that, so that the communication is clear. If you like radio though, somafm.com seems pretty cool and Soma is a very convenient and very focused and and, and slick little interface for it. So give it a shot. Okay, it's uh, probably time for coffee, and it's actually a little bit early for coffee, I realize that. But first of all, it's been that kind of week. I'm going to go for coffee early. Heck, maybe I'll have two coffees this show. So go get a cup of coffee, walk over to your kitchen, get a cup of coffee, come back for more show. (laughs) Let's talk about socks. Socks actually are one of my favorite topics. I I love a good pair of socks because they're things that you need pretty much all of the time. I, I did try going outside for a while in bare feet, especially here in New Zealand. People go around with bare feet all the time, at least on the North Island they did. Back when I was working at a movie studio back on the North Island, it was very common to be at the production, at the production facility, and to see people walking through the hallway is just in bare feet, no shoes. It's pretty funny. Uh, And so I did try that for a while. I thought seems like a very beautiful and natural thing to do. I'll just go outside with bare feet. Stepped on a bee, got stung. I'm allergic to bees. Ever since then, I've been very, very careful to wear shoes for all but the, the slightest excursion onto maybe the the back porch. Now let's talk about the SOX command, which is the so-called Swiss army knife of audio manipulation. So SOX stands for Sound Exchange. Now this is a big application, it has a lot of different uses, so I'm going to go through some of the most common uses as a way of giving you a feel for how the application works, rather than, for instance, just listing off the options, as I do with other commands. Sometimes. So, Socks, we'll start with the fact that there are three components to Socks in a way. There is Socks, the, the command Socks itself. This is all based on libsocks, uh, is the library that Socks provides. So, there's Socks, the command, which I would think of it personally, I think of it as sort of a mixing desk or maybe a digital audio workstation if, if you really stretch it. And then there's Play. P L A Y, that's not to be con- con- confused with A Play, which is also Play. This is just Play, P L A Y, and that plays audio files, although that's kind of underselling it. It does more than that. And then there's Rec, R E C, which records. So right there, you've got ingesting play, you've got outputting Rec, and then you've got affecting and processing with SOX. So we'll start with the, in theory, simple one, which is play. Play, if you type in the word play, and then some path to a valid audio file, then you'll hear the audio file through your speakers, or, or through whatever output you're sending it to. So this, that's a lot like any other of the media players that we've covered on this show already, like Mad Play and so on. And it works, generally speaking, as, as you'd expect. So if I just type in play, and then the path to an audio file, I would hear that, but I might as well take this moment to highlight what you can do beyond that, which, for instance, you can apply filters. And this is where Sox kind of sets itself apart, and why it is able to be used, more or less, as a digital audio workstation under cer- certain for, for certain things. But w- one of them, for instance, is uh, you could put it through a bass filter, a bass boost. So if you did uh, play-example.aug-bass, plus two, and now you're going to hear the example.og with a plus two boost to its base frequencies. You can do the same thing with treble. Treble plus two, or or plus three, plus one, minus two, whatever. Uh, These are filters, that it is an equalizer, the equalization uh, kind of filter. And you can get pretty um, pretty precise with this sort of thing. The the base in the treble boost is just kind of a generic all-purpose boost. You could do things like, um, well you can use the equalizer filter. So if you want to pipe it through uh, EQ, then you can do that with equalizer, and then you can specify the frequency that you want to target, and specify the, the sort of the width, the, the way that your EQ sort of ramps up and falls off, uh, and then apply gain to, to that range. So for instance, if you wanted to boost, I don't know, the human voice, a little bit. I mean, you would want to probably verify that you're targeting the correct the correct range because all voices are going to be a little bit different. But the typical range we're looking at, like let's say, 100 hertz to 400 hertz, depending on whether it's male, female, high, low voice, that sort of thing. So uh, let's let's try this out. So we'll do play countdown wave. This is a, a royalty free sound I found somewhere that I use a lot of times for just testing and stuff like that. So play countdown Equalizer 100. I'm just guessing at this vocal range. It's a pretty deep voice. Uh, and then let's give it a width of 20 and a gain of. Let's do. Well, actually, let's play it once without anything. So we'll just do play wave. Number 10,
1: number 9, number.
0: Yeah, and you get the idea. That's the normal sound. And now I'm going to play it with settings uh, play countdown equalizer. So I'm piping it through the equalizer. Targeting 100 hertz, so that's just the number 100, space 10, that's my width, and then minus 90. So I'm really cutting out like a, a big chunk of the frequency where this human voice uh, n- naturally falls. Oh, but I need to output this. Okay, so here's something. So play sock, uh, play that would just play it to my output. And what I I don't actually want to do that. I want to do socks countdown dot wave and and the confusing thing here is that I need to put my output. So I'm going to do EQ dot flack, and then space equalizer 110 negative 90, and that outputs it for me. And then I can load it into Audacity so you can hear it. Number 10. Number nine. Number eight. I don't know how great that'll come across through several iterations of of compression and 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 conversion, but you get the idea. I think I think you'll get the idea. Uh, you can really just kind of cut down, cut through frequencies, and 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 affect how things sound. Now we could also, for instance, do a fade in, and maybe that's what I really should have done instead of EQ, because that that will translate no matter what. So I could do, for instance, play or or socks if I want to tr- if I want to record it to a file or, or output it to a file, socks countdown and then you can choose a uh, optionally a type of of a fade a pattern you can do a a a quarter sign a half sign or a linear or triangle slope a logarithmic or p for inverted parabola so you can do that and uh, i guess i'll just again just socks countdown dot wave Uh, i think we're gonna do p for para parabola why not I, i i don't know what that'll sound like fade in length let's do a good six seconds so i'm typing in six there and then i'm going to do Oh, I forgot to do my output again. So we'll do um, fader dot and then the the filter that we're putting it through is called fade, and then the parameter that I want to pass to it is p, and then six for all of the different um, for the different attributes of my fade. And let's see what that sounds like.
1: Number ten. Number nine. Number eight. Number seven.
0: I think you can tell that that was getting a little bit louder, probably. So the syntax for Sox can get a little bit complex. Sometimes it seems really, really obvious. For instance, when you are concatenating two audio files, for instance, the syntax is exactly more or less I think what you would expect. Sox 1.wave, dot wave two dot wave output dot wave. That would concatenate one dot wave and two dot wave into a file called output. That way. That's pretty straightforward, but it doesn't always, that, that's, that's, that's not, don't get too used to that sort of like input, input, output syntax, because it can, it can become more complex than that, depending on what you are trying to do in your command. So according to Socks, it's, it's theoretical chain, work, uh, workflow is input combiner effects output. But strangely enough, and by Socks, by, by the, the man page's own admission that's not actually how you put it in you don't that's not how you write it in your command it says that on the socks command line the positions of the outputs and the effects are swapped, so that's that's weird. Um, and also, the options pertaining to files are placed before the respective file name, and the opposite is true for effects. So what they're kind of saying in in a really sort of roundabout way here is that effects are tagged on at, are tacked on at the end of your command. Generally speaking, the 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 combiner part is more or less optional. And then also, by the way, file names can have properties prepended to them for SOX's own use. Wow, that's a lot of information. And it does make the commands that you issue with SOCKS a little bit weird, but, or, or it, it makes them a little bit, it, it takes a while to learn the, the correct format. FFmpeg is not unlike this in, in many regards. Sometimes the position of a of an option differs d- depending on wh- or, or it it will change the context of that option of of what that option is referring to. So, for instance, let's say you're trying to combine uh, a file that you you know is um, I don't know 16k sample rate, and you're not sure that Sox knows that for whatever reason. Maybe it's a raw file that doesn't have any inf- information about what how to how to parse it. So you might say something like socks r 16 1.wave, 2.wave, output.wave. Now, because the dash-r comes right before an input file, you're telling socks, hey, I'm, I'm about to give you this input file. I know better than you. I know that its sample rate is 16k. Therefore, treat it that way. Now, that doesn't affect its output. It just affects how it ingests that input file which could be significant and uh, frequently it is significant uh, in fact you can hear you can hear what what happens sometimes when you let socks just kind of try to guess guess what it what it wants to do um, well you know what I'll try to I'll try to demonstrate that later. Uh, I'll try to demonstrate a mistake later uh, because the mistake that I can produce for you is a little bit more advanced and I don't want to jump the gun. So there's the properties that you can put before an input file, and then there are properties that you can put, of course, before the output file. and that would affect the the manner in which Sox produces that output. But but wait a minute, don't 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 think about that output too fast because if you want to pipe it through effects, like that bass boost or a fader or an EQ uh, effect or, or whatever effect you, you want, you tack those on at the end as an afterthought. That feels very unnatural because we just named the output file, so we're done with our command, right? We ended on no. That's not. That unfortunately, if if you've got the effects, you're basically if you if you imagine that you're taking a cable and routing it from your mixer to an aux mixer, or, or an effect unit or something, and then bringing that back into the mixer, that's kind of what you're doing. You're sort of outboarding the, the effects in, in your command, if that makes any sense to you. If you've never used hardware uh, mixers and effect units, then it probably doesn't make that much sense to you, but if you have, then that makes sense to you. Otherwise, you just remember, Effects get tacked on at the end, just like when you're playing a sound, which we which we did, right? We did play uh, countdown dot wave or Flack, or whatever it was, and then fader uh, three or or fade rather uh, p three or or whatever kind of um, fader we want l l three whatever l six whatever. So those effects they get tacked on at the end, but it's not actually happening at the end. It's just we we just put them at the end. Okay, so that that seems. Weird, and it is weird, maybe, but once you remember it, then then you just kind of start remembering it, and then you're good to go. Okay, so let's see uh, what else can we do with socks. Well, um, so we have this we have this concept of these these different we, we have effects, and we have a combiner, uh, and then we've got our output and our input. So let's let's take a look at something where we can combine stuff uh, because this is this could be something that you would do. And this is something that I was trying to work into my workflow for a while. Never really got around to it because I realized I just prefer um, the the efficiency of a GUI um, audio recording environment so that I can stop and remove uh, a mistake that I make or something like that. Whereas with Socks, it's a little bit less easy to, to do that. So with Socks, though, we can do some interesting things. And maybe I'll, I'll walk through a couple of couple of errors here because this, is, this can be kind of educational so first of all let's say we've got a we've got some music like a little intro sequence that we need to combine with this countdown sample that i have but the first thing that we need to know uh, so i've got two assets i've got countdown mp3 actually is what it is right now uh, if we're starting from the beginning so countdown mp3 and game show underscore cc creative commons dot flac so these are two sample files that i've gotten i use them as uh demo files much as much as i am here so the first first step when, when you're when, when you're sitting down with, with multimedia assets, generally speaking, is to figure out what it is you've got. And this, you know, if, if you've produced those assets yourself, you may know perfectly well what you've got. But if you are working on someone else's project with them, or you're working completely outsourced, and they're just sending you information every night, and you have to deal with it, then you definitely need to do a little bit of research, because you don't know what they're giving you. They could be giving you uh, something encoded at, at 44... Dot one kilohertz, they could 44 48 uh, I just said forty four. Uh 96 is what I meant. It could be twelve bit, sixteen bit, it could be a file that's an hour long, but only the first 10 seconds of it actually has sound that you need. It could be um, an audio file that's 10 seconds, but it was supposed to be a minute. You know, you you just don't know. So the first thing that you would probably do is a SOX dash dash info, and then the path to that file. So in this case, it's going to be countdownmp 3 and it tells me input file is countdown mp3, channels is one, that's important to know, sample rates 44-1, precision 16-bit, duration, 11 seconds and 21, whatever, milliseconds, samples, I'm not sure. Uh, file size 179, bitrate 128, sample encoding MPEG audio layer 1, 2, or 3. Great. That's good to know. And then we can do the same thing with game show underscore ccflac. So that's telling me that it's got two channels. So that's important. Now we've got mixed, we've got one... Sound thing with one channel and one sound uh, file with two 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 channels. That doesn't always work that well. Uh, sample rate 44.1, precision 24 bit. That's interesting too. That's that's important to know. Uh, duration is 15 seconds. A little bit longer, but uh, not 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 that bad. File size uh, don't care. Bit rate 1.53 megabits, and sample encoding is 24 bit FLAC. Okay, cool so let's let's say that we're gonna combine these things that's that's let's just assume that that was the order that we've received so we'll do a a socks dash dash combine and then we need to know what kind of combine uh, it's going to be And the way that I find that out if I forget is dash dash combine and then space question mark although I could actually just Right, I don't know. Penguin doesn't matter. Anything that isn't the right thing will prompt Socks to sort of tell me what my choices are. So it says um, dash dash combine penguin is not one of sequence concatenate mix mix dash power merge and multiply. So we'll um, we'll do a Socks dash dash combine. Let's just do a mix right now, and we'll do countdown dot mp3 and game show dot flack and we know that the output well we'll just put output dot flack for now okay so right away it says socks warning input files don't have the number the same number of channels and that's correct that they, they don't and we know they don't already we knew that because socks when we looked at the information it, it told us how it sort of broke down so what we can do instead of mixing is we can merge so socks dash dash combine merge countdown dot mp3 Game show output flack. All right, so let me play. Let me play. What happened? Number ten. Number nine. Number eight. Number seven. There you go. They they cut combined in a way. I mean, they they got combined by a method called merge. Which if we if we look at socks dash dash info output dot we'll see something pretty interesting. So the input file, output.flac, channels 3, sample rate 44.1, precision 16, uh, and so on. So that's kind of, kind of interesting because what we've actually done is produced a 3-channel audio file, which if you, for instance, import that into Audacity means that it'll come up as 3 separate tracks, which can be great, I mean, if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for a 5-channel audio file, 7-channel audio file, you can do that with a combine merge. But maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you really only wanted a stereo mix or maybe you only wanted a mono mix in which case as far as i know and if if someone knows better i'd love to hear about the trick but as far as i know in order to do that you simply need to standardize your media so in this case the the two channels the thing with two channels looks to be the game show so i want to squash that into a mono i want to mix that down to mono now this is you have to remember the position of the options so we do socks and then we do game show.flac and then dash dash channels one game mono. If we had put the channels at the front of the command socks dash dash channels one game show.flac fl- then that wouldn't that that would simply tell socks treat this as a, a single channel file. We would still end up potentially with a two channel audio file because we're not telling it to give us a one channel now in this case because i am putting channels in front of the output file that option applies to the output file specifically and therefore we should get a mono a mono track and i can confirm that obviously with socks dash info game mono dot flack and there it is channels one 24-bit, and so on. Okay, so now I'm gonna combine these things. So I'm gonna do socks-dash-combine, mix, and then we'll do a countdown.flac, and then a game mono.flac, and I'll just put that out to output.flac, and actually I'm gonna do a channels, just to make sure channels 1, socks-dash-info output is one channel. Perfect, okay. And I'll import that now so you can hear it.
1: Number 10, number 9, number 8, number 7, number 6,
0: and now they're combined. And you can do that sort of thing all you want. You just have to kind of remember that the position of the options will 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 change the meaning of that option. So if a, if an option comes before a file name, then up until that file name, those are the options that apply. And then they're dropped. And the next file name has either some options or no options, and then they're dropped. And then you have your output destination, and then after the output destination, you have your effects. and if there is no output destination then the output destination is your standard output not your standard output your default audio output and your effects apply to it so that can be somewhat disorienting because that you know I, i guess it would be easier maybe if there was a dash dash output and it was either a file path or some string representing your default audio. But that's not, that isn't how it works. So just remember that those, the position of those options really, really does matter. Okay, let's see, is there anything else that I need to talk about here? That might be, like, that, that, kind of is mainly like that's a lot of it's a lot of what it can do right there that's kind of the big the big deal right there um dash dash guard is good that invokes a a gain effect or a limiting effect really uh, an anti-gain effect to guard against clipping of audio so if something's too too loud as it's getting processed it'll get knocked down to you know zero or or whatever it is and that that's one of those options that you can kind of give up at the beginning of the of the uh the process that that's a that's another thing that's a little bit confusing that that combiner option that they talk about in their in their overview considered their global options those can go at the beginning of your command so like you can put uh, you know dash dash guard or dash dash clobber or dash dash combine dash dash effects file which uh, allows you to specify effects in a separate file and then sort of bring that in as the thing that you that is that you pass off to to socks couple of different options like that you can stick at the front of the command i think that's poor you know it violates its own logic and i i think that's a little bit of a problem for me personally, but that's just, you know, they got to do what they got to do, I'm assuming. I mean, it's uh, probably got a lot to do with just how how options and parameters and arguments and things like that get processed as you're programming, and it's not easy all the time to try to figure out the best syntax. That can be difficult, so I, I definitely sympathize, but I guess that's something that you as the user must remember, that some things are considered global, some things are specific to the next file you name and then other things are effects and need to get tacked on at the end of the file or at the end of the command anyway and all of that stuff is you're you're going to be looking at the man page for that stuff like the, the the these options that I'm talking about those are in the in the man page that's your menu you want to go to your man page and look around and see what you have to to play around with and there's all kinds of effects i mean you can you can even produce sound from from Oscillators from emulated oscillators uh, from from play uh, play synth and it will it will produce sound to your specification. You can define your sound you, the shape of your wave, define what frequency you're playing, type that sound through a flanger or an echo effect, all kinds of things. I mean, it's it's really really flexible. But in a way, it's so flexible that I can imagine getting overwhelmed or just plain lost as to where to start. So the way that I would approach this, were I you looking to mess around with socks, is to d- define the the task you wish to accomplish. For me, when I started really playing around with socks outside of it, just being a conversion tool. I, I decided I wanted to have an intro sequence, like my voice saying, uh, you're listening to GNU World Order episode, whatever, and then some music fading in over that, and then the music would continue, and then my voice would come back in, and the music would fade back down, So in other words, I I wanted to stitch together the different segments of a podcast that I was recording with Socks. And that seemed like a very manageable thing to do, and it was, but it ended up being one of those things where the scripting required to do that was going to be a lot more... It was going to be a bigger deal than I realized, and the number of files produced was going to be a little bit more than maybe I realized, because, you know, let's say you have, I don't know, three, three segments of audio three three assets and you want to combine them such that the first segment is this is the teaser and then over the teaser comes the intro music and then after the intro music comes the 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 show well two of those files you can you can do a fade you know you can do a fade in from from teaser to music you can have the music fading into the end of the teaser that's fine you can do that and that produces a third file called well a fourth file if we're counting from including the, the show. So fourth file called I guess, you know, uh, teaser plus intro combined dot flack. And then you have to take teaser plus intro combined dot flack and combine that with the show. So now you've got the show coming in at the end of teaser plus intro music. And and so now you're producing a fifth file, which is all of those files combined. And that's only with three files. So you've got three input files and now you've already got two output files only one of which you actually care about in the end. It's not a travesty. This is the kind of thing that that is very common. I mean, if you look at Audacity, if you look into your file system, if you're using Audacity, you'll see that there are there's a whole folder of little snippets of audio that you have no idea how they all go together. Uh, if you look at the, you know, if you look behind the scenes of something like Caden Live or, or any multimedia application that is combining streams into into single files, you get a lot of little little bits and pieces that, that have to be generated in order to produce certain segments of, of audio or video. It's just you're you're now the thing that has to deal with that with those temporary files in, in with socks because it's not going to do that for you. You you've produced them, you have to keep track of them, you have to ditch the old ones and so on. And it, it's it's not a problem. It's just that that's a different workflow than not having to worry about your temporary files and being able to do everything visually and so on. But if if you're doing something programmatic and predictable and you know you, you know that whatever people upload to this directory, you're going to take that and you're going to prepend the intro music and maybe you're going to do a little bit of a crossfade just for those final three seconds or something, that's great. Now you know. You, you have that information. You can do that programmatically. You can script it with socks. Not a problem. And that's, I think, kind of the way that I would approach it is just define exactly what your inputs are going to be and what you want your output output to be, and what what do you have to do to get from here to there. And a lot of times it is. It's something that you have to do in steps and in chunks, because Socks has certain expectations about its own workflow, and it's a little bit different than what you might think your workflow should be, or or would be, certainly in a GUI editor of any sort. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll just kind of read off some of, just real quick, some of the effects that we're looking at here, because th- there are a lot, and it is very cool. So, you have, and I'm just kinda page page downing through this this uh, this man page. We have um where did it go? Band, all pass band, bend, chorus, chorus effect. Um don't know what this is. Uh let's see, contrast, DC shift, don't care, don't care. Deemphasize, delay, down sample, that's it's always good. Earwax, which makes audio easier to listen to on headphones, so essentially, I believe—well, um, it says—adds cues to 44.1 kHz stereo, i.e., audio CD format, so that when listened to, to on headphones, the stereo image is moved from inside your head (standard for headphones) to outside and in front of uh, a listener. So that's manipulating the the sort of st- the stereo spread. Echo echoes, plural, equalizer, flanger, uh, gain, ladspa, high-pass or low-pass, loudness, noise, pref, norm, uh, oops, that's a out-of-phase stereo effect. I don't know why you would want to uh, impose that, but you, you, I guess you can. Oh, apparently it's something for, it says it's known as the karaoke effect, because it has the effect of removing most or all vocals from a recording. I don't believe it. I would want to hear it. Uh, overdrive pad phaser pitch so you can change the pitch of a voice but not the tempo rate adjusting the sample rate i guess right would that be the uh, the sample rate yeah sample rate okay reverb that's a good one repeat silence riaa vinyl playback equalization sync spectrogram and probably even more than that so it, it's Great little application, something to mess around with. Just kind of define what you want to do with it first, and then just scrub through that man page and figure out how you can get to your ultimate goal from all of the many tools it it provides you. That is everything I have to say about Socks, I think. Hopefully that little demonstration kind of helps you Uh, sort of wrap your head around it. Like I say, it's complex. It is is not easy. It is something that that you could mess around with forever and probably never learn every little nuance of it. But it is a very powerful thing uh, for certain use cases, for that scripted use case. It's very, very powerful. So check it out if you have use for it. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Of course, you can email me at clatu at member.fsf.org. That's clatu@member.fsf, at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, GNU World Order.info and SlackerMedia.info. I will see you next time.
1: Robots to do all the fiddly stuff.